0: Welcome into the day Den. Back again after preseason game number two now, as the Cincinnati Bengals fell to the Washington football team. However, even in losses, there's a lot we can glean from these games. That's what the preseason's all about. Wins are nice, don't get me wrong, especially when you knock off a game started by Tom Brady last week. Super Bowl champs, defending Super Bowl champs, Buccaneers, come out of there with a win. Feels good. So, you know, I'm not discounting a win and it's good for the team and whatnot, but really the preseason is evaluating players, and we got to do that again, this time against Washington. And there's a lot of good that came out of this game. I think there's two two games through the preseason. There's a lot as Bengals fans to be encouraged about. And I want to start. You know, recapping a little bit of a couple episodes ago, I went through some focus points that I thought would be things that his fans were looking at throughout the entire preseason. They probably wouldn't be answered after one preseason game. Rather, after two to three games of the preseason, we'd have a pretty good idea about where we stand in those areas. One of them being Jamar Chase and his ability to make explosive plays. Uh, I mentioned the right guard battle kind of I focused in a little bit on Jackson Carmen and what would come of him through the preseason. But that's kind of evolved into a battle of the left guard and right guard spots as there's a little uncertainty as who's going to be starting in those positions. Uh, We mentioned the kicker spot. I think that's locked up now. Signed, sealed, delivered. Evan McPherson has won that job fair and square and really performed at a high level throughout practice camp and now into the preseason. The other thing I mentioned was defensive line pressure. We saw some, a lot of really good things in the first week of the preseason against Tampa Bay, when it comes to getting pressure on the opposing quarterback and saw some of the same stuff in Washington to a lesser degree. However, I think, you know, as I mentioned, we're using these preseason games to get an idea of not necessarily just who's making the team and who's not. Obviously we'll, we'll get some cuts and, see some guys surprise us and Darius Hodge being one of them. We'll talk about him again a little bit later on, but we're also looking at these position groups and saying, who's going to be surprises for us. Are we going to have answers to some of these questions we had going into the season before week one kicks off in a couple of weeks? Now I want to start with, I'll say quote unquote, the bad. I don't think it was terrible, but let's talk about Jamar Chase real quick. So where, where are we at on the panic meter with Jamar Chase? number five overall pick, we don't need to rehash all of the points around taking him over State and all that type of stuff. But all throughout camp, we heard reports about him struggling. First, it was some separation. In the same article, it talked about him struggling with drops. I've only been to two of the practices. I saw him drop some passes in those practices as well. I kind of chalked it up to him overthinking a bit. And when he came out and mentioned that in his press conference about trying to get sharper and quicker mentally, not just the way he moves on the field, but mentally quicker. I thought, yeah, he's, he's struggling with some concentration there. He just needs to, to let the game come to him, do what he's good at doing playing wide receiver and it'll all be good. We've now seen those struggles though, carry over into a game. And against Washington, he was credited with three drops on all three of his targets and let me put an asterisk next to those because we can make excuses for all three of the drops. They weren't necessarily all clear-cut in his hands and popped out sort of thing. The first throw was slightly behind him, not quite on target. However, still a catchable ball on a slant route that Jamar Chase dropped. The second one was a pass over the middle, kind of a tight window, a really good pass actually, um, accuracy-wise, but... I don't know if whether you would consider that one a hospital ball from Brandon Allen. It's not like he sailed the ball. <laughs> kind of reminds me, we used to see Andy Dalton sometimes throw those hospital balls to A.J. Green over the middle of the field where it's throwing it high and exposing the receiver's ribs and whatnot for a big hit. It wasn't quite one of those, but it was a tight window, and the safety, Landon Collins, was zeroing in on Jamar Chase. So I get it. You know They're professionals. You need to make the catch, but I'm also... Like, they're human, too. You see another big dude running full speed over the middle at you. I get it. So I guess you could use that as an excuse. But Jamar Chase alligator armed it and wasn't able to bring that one in. And then the third drop was another slant. He got good inside position on the DB. And the throw was pretty much where it needed to be. And Chase just dropped it. Now, it was decent coverage. I think that the the defensive back recovered well and probably would have gotten a pretty good rake on Jamar's arms and or the ball if the catch had been made, potentially breaking it up. But we'll never know because it hit off of Jamar's hands and no catch. So I think it's interesting that in the moments right after that and kind of seeping through into the weekend, the majority of the responses I'm seeing are on just polar opposites of the spectrum, which I guess makes sense. That's what fans tend to do. We're fanatics, but on one side, you have people wondering if he's a bust, was he the wrong pick? He's the number five overall pick. He should be making those plays. We shouldn't be making excuses for him. I'm seeing like John Ross being thrown out as a is this a John Ross thing? I'm seeing people mention other people mention John Ross. I haven't personally seen anybody say this is like John Ross, but whatever. That situation was one where. Drops kind of plagued him and kind of mistakes plagued him throughout his career and kept him from reaching his ceiling. Are we worried about that with Jamar Chase? Then the other side, let me say, though, about those people that are worried, I would guarantee the majority of them probably wanted Sewell at number five to begin with, (laughs) so they're already a little skeptical of Jamar being the pick there at five, but the other end of the spectrum are the fans that are – come on, there's nothing to worry about. We're two games into the preseason. It doesn't mean a whole lot. Drops don't mean that someone's not a good wide receiver. Um, I've seen the argument that if you look at the drops leaders in the NFL year over year, there's a lot of really, really good receivers in the NFL that drop a lot of passes. Makes sense. They're heavily targeted as well. Contested catch situations sometimes can go down as a drop, even though it would have been a really tough catch to begin with. I get all that. I can't quite get on board, though, with either of those notions that either A, he's a bust, or B, it, there's nothing to worry about. I would say on the scale of 1 to 10, eh, my worry level's at about like a 3 to 3.5. It's low, but I can't sit here and say it's nothing because it's it's definitely something. Um, it was a game where he had three drops, so yes, it could be chalked up to one bad game. However, we've kind of seen it be a theme for the last month through practices and I'm seeing the excuses being made on those particular plays, the excuses I mentioned, but also just in general that he's working with a backup quarterback, just wait till Joe Burrow gets in there. That's also kind of true, I guess, but we've seen him drop passes in practice that were thrown by by uh, Joe Burrow. So I don't think that Burrow being in there necessarily cures all of Jamar's uh, yips right now, um, if you want to call him that. But At the end of the day, they may be legit excuses, but they're still excuses for something that he's got to clean up. I think Chase is going to be fine long-term, so don't hear me saying that I'm panicked about it or freaking out. I think probably two to three games into the season, we're going to see some sort of Jamar Chase blow-up game. It's going to show us all the immense talent that he has, the kind of flash wit he and Bro were able to do in LSU in 2019. So I'm excited about that. But I think overall, I might have underestimated the the rustiness that, that Jamar Chase is going to have to shake off to start the season. He didn't play it all last year. Hasn't necessarily gotten all these reps with Joe Burrow throughout camp and in preseason to this point. Has not been catching passes from Joe Burrow in games. So I get it. I've talked about Joe Burrow being rusty to start the season with his leg. Um, just kind of the the rehab process. Mentally, you got to get there. Physically, you got to get there. Uh, practices seven on seven, 11 on 11 is way different than getting out into a game, having real pressure from real 300 pound dudes that are really trying to hit you. And I think it'll be a few games up to a month before Burrow really gets into a good groove. And that might be the case for Jamar Chase as well, which I think I underestimated from the start. Now I want to talk about the defensive line. Um, We'll first talk about the line and then the defense overall. We didn't have 20 plus pressures this week against Washington like we did last week against Tampa Bay, but there were still some encouraging signs there. We saw 15 pressures as a team. They were pretty evenly distributed. There wasn't any one player like last week, Joseph Asai and Darius Hodge were dominating kind of the pressures. This week, no player had more than two pressures. I didn't count the full list. I think there was probably like 10 players that had a pressure credited to them but that dude Darius Hodge I've mentioned him now a couple times in this episode he got more playing time and he got exactly what we wanted was last week he played so well I don't I don't want to say dominated but he played so well against Tampa Bay however he was going against the second third string offense for Tampa Bay how is he going to do when he's going up against starter level players in the NFL well he got that opportunity Joseph Asai out with the injury. Darius Hodge gets some early run in this game. He got a couple pressures that he was credited with. I know for a fact one of them was against Washington's first team. I'm not sure about the second one. I think Hodge is a super interesting player to watch next week. If he has another good game filling in for Asai, it's going to be hard to imagine Hodge getting cut from this team, which if you think about three weeks ago, He would have been probably a roster bubble kind of guy. Maybe not even on the bubble, just we assumed he would be a cut candidate. And now he's worked his way in. Credit to Darius Hodge for that. Plays well for a third straight preseason game. I don't see how the Bengals are going to not bring Hodge onto the active roster to start the season to generate some pressure, especially considering that Osai. again, I think he's going to play week one and he'll be all right. But hampered by the injury for now. Cam Sample left the game against Washington with a described as a minor injury, but an injury nonetheless. There's not a lot of depth there, and I don't think you can ever have enough edge rushers. So to have Hodge be on this team and provide kind of that spark in a rotational role would be huge. DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, they also were credited with pressures, and they weren't even on the field for that long. So that was good to see going up against the other starters for Washington. One trend now that I noticed, this is kind of expanding out a little bit, not just from the defensive line perspective, but Von Bell, he came in on a blitz and missed the sack, but did get a credit with a the pressure there, or hurry, or whatever on Fitzpatrick. I went and looked because as I saw that I made a note and was like, Von Bell on a blitz? I mean, I know he's he's stout in the run game, but how often does he come from the safety spot to to blitz the quarterback? Well, funny enough, last year only three times according to PFF was Von Bell listed as a pass rusher or get credited for a pass rush attempt. He now had one last week against Tampa Bay two against Washington. So in two preseason games, he's already rushed the passer as many times as he did all of last season. So I'm not sure if that's something Lou is making a concerted effort to do to generate a pass rush any way he can kind of thinking outside the box of just your traditional rush and bringing Von Bell on the blitz. I don't know whether that's something he's planning on carrying over, just experimenting through the preseason, but it's been interesting to watch and see Von Bell kind of expand his usage, and I think that would be huge for this defense. Another way that you can generate pressure, force mistakes on the offense, and this defense as a whole has been playing outstanding, really at pretty much every level. Logan Wilson had a really strong game from a PFF grade. Now he did get lost on early coverage against Logan Thomas in the first quarter, which gave up a big gain. That was more of a miscommunication type thing, I think, than you know not knowing what he's supposed to do. Maybe he didn't know what he's supposed to do, but it was one play. Other than that, played pretty well. I am still a little bit worried about the linebacking core from a perspective of, I mentioned it before, but athletic tight ends and pass-catching running backs, we saw, I think, I guess he's like the third string running back now yeah I guess he'd be third on the depth chart for Washington Jarrett Patterson undrafted free agent out of the University of Buffalo was consistently getting open underneath Um, and maybe that's just goes to show what the defense is about here of keep the ball in, in front of you don't get beat deep because I wouldn't say Jarrett Patterson had huge plays in the past game but was consistently able to kind of sit in the middle of the field and be the check down option for the quarterback I'm worried about how that's going to play out in the season but with our line getting pressure, with our secondary playing extremely well, Elousier's played well, and I'll talk about him in a little bit, I'm I'm curious to see how this defense is going to play in the season. Regular season, game start that matter against the best of the best in the NFL, how will they play? At this point, they have given up no touchdowns. The starting unit hasn't in two preseason games. Granted, they're not playing a ton, And I went back to look, because I was curious from 2018 and 2019, since there were not any preseason games last year, how the preseason leaders and defense carried over to the regular season. So 2018 was less of a correlation. New Orleans, Baltimore, Cleveland had some of the top defenses preseason wise. And Baltimore was the second best um, defense in the regular season for that year. So carried over for them. Saints were middle of the pack that year. Browns were ranked 21st and points allowed in 2018. So it didn't necessarily carry over for those two teams in 2019. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys gave up the what, second fewest. So the Ravens gave up the fewest points of the preseason in 2019, 35 points in four games. Um, uh, Dallas was second with only 44 points allowed. Uh, see Cleveland gave up 57 points so those were New England Patriots gave up 54 so of those four teams in 2019 the Patriots had the best defense so it carried over for them Baltimore had the third best scoring defense carried over for them Cowboys were 11th best so I mean I would take a a close to top 10 defense scoring wise and then the Browns were down about 20 as well so can we say for with certainty that this is going to carry over to the regular season, not necessarily, but it has been encouraging to see nonetheless. And if we are able to have an average unit on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's a win because there was a lot of questions about how porous this defense was going to be um, this year. They struggled last year and preseason is, is different in so many ways, not just, you're not just going up against the first string. You've got second stringers and third stringers, which can skew some of the stats a little bit. Not only that, but offenses are running a little bit different. So in a preseason game, for example, if we were playing the Vikings. I doubt we we're going to see Dalvin cook get 20 carries. I don't doubt. I guarantee we're not going to see him get 20 carries. However, in week one, when we play Minnesota, I would be shocked if Dalvin carried Dalvin cook doesn't get 20 carries. So The games are a little bit different. All that to say, we don't know if it'll carry over, but I think we have some reason to be optimistic for this defense. Let's move along to the offensive line. Uh, Notable is that Deontay Smith did not play. I don't think he really hurt his chances of being used in the rotation here necessarily. I will say he probably lost a little momentum because he had a lot of great momentum going for him, stringing together some good practices, playing well in week one of the preseason was held out of week two. So I was really interested to watch him and see where he was going to play along the line, which guard position, how much he was going to play. Was he sprinkling in with first team, second team, third team? Then, of course, how well he was going to play. All those things I wanted to see we didn't get to see. Um, But this week's starting offensive line, we did have Jonah Williams and Riley Reef at the tackle spots, Billy Price at center filling in for Trey Hopkins. And then left guard was Quentin Spain starting. Right guard was Xavier Suafilu. So last week, I believe it was like third stringers before Suafilu got into the game. Michael Jordan got the start at right guard. So they switched things up a little bit, which I actually really liked seeing. I think that's what we wanted the coaching staff to do. And it's nice that they aren't just sticking to, let's see, their depth chart that they put out before week one of the preseason, that they're not just sticking to those same five guys and running them out each time. And they're mixing up the rotations. They're letting different guys get um, starts, working against the first team defense, working against second team defense. We've seen some mixing up of the rotation between who's playing left guard, right guard, and things like that. And that's encouraging because right now that's what Frank Pollock's trying to do is figure out who are the five best guys to start along this line. We feel pretty good about the tackle positions. We feel pretty good about Trey Hawkins at center. And it's going to be who are the two best guards that we can play at left guard and right guard that's going to be able to protect Joe Burrow, open running links for Joe Mixon. The line is a unit played well this week, uh, only allowed two pressures. Those were uh, credited, would you say credited against? Anyways, those were given up by Trey Hill and Isaiah Prince, who are a couple of depth pieces that we wouldn't anticipate being used a lot on the line as starters in this upcoming season. So wasn't Jonah Williams or guys that we anticipate getting tons of snap this year that were struggling by any means. And if you like PFF grades, that's your thing. All five of the starters along the line were graded out as 75-plus in pass blocking. The run blocking was not as sharp. I don't know, at least for me, I don't know about you, but for me, the pass blocking is the most important thing right now. And that's made obvious by Burrow coming back from the injury. You want him to be comfortable. You want him to have a good pocket to throw from, to not have to worry about the mental part of, okay, there's a lot of guys flying at my knees here because the line's getting pushed back into my lap. You want him to be comfortable back there. And also because Burrow is so surgical back there, able to dissect a defense when he has time, that even if you're run blocking unit isn't great having the defense kind of being made honest by burrow's ability to throw the ball and having those three major weapons on the outside at wide receiver is hopefully going to open up a little bit for joe Mixon. he's not going to be going up against stacked boxes so if your line is able to be an average run blocking group i think that's going to be fine for us Um, as far as michael jordan he played well again even though he didn't get the start this week it's interesting to note though last week he played solely at right guard got the start this week he doesn't start but when he does come in he played only at left guard. So it was uh he he performed well had really high PFF grades wasn't going up against just the starters this week so you have to take that into consideration but kudos to Michael Jordan for really turning things around because again 9 months ago 9 months ago you tell me Michael Jordan's going to be in the mix to be a starter along the offensive line. And I would say, okay, our line's going to be shambles again. However, he has really turned things around. And, you know, that's that's a testament to his work as well as Frank Pollock's work that he's put in with Michael Jordan. And I now feel okay with Michael Jordan being in consideration as one of the top five guys to protect Burrow. Um, so good for him. We'll see what week three looks like going into the preseason. Jackson Carmen played better this week as well than he did last week. So, you know, we're seeing progress. That's good. I don't think he's done enough yet that he's going to be starting week one by any means, but as panicked and worried as we were from practice reports, running with the threes, didn't play particularly well last week, up and down and consistent this week. He did play better across the board, pass blocking and run blocking. And that's what you want to see of your rookie as he gets more reps, he becomes more consistent, gets better at what he's doing. I think, When you look across our offensive line, we might only have one quote-unquote star, one Pro Bowl caliber player in Jonah Williams. I'm really impressed with the way he looks this year. Hopkins and Riley Reef, though, even if they're not Pro Bowl type guys, are players that we feel comfortable. We feel comfortable with them there at the center and right tackle position that they're going to be dependable. They're going to be solid at, at worst. And now we've got maybe a little bit of depth at the guard positions, which as a whole, we don't have a lot of depth along the line because at tackle, it really scares me. um, If Williams or reef were to go down, knock on wood who would be filling in for them. But at those guard positions, we're now looking at Quentin Spain, Xavier Suofilu, Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, when he comes back from the injury, um, I feel pretty good about the depth there. I think that we've seen all four of those guys perform well in spurts that, week three of the preseason man it's going to be really telling to see who gets the start who's playing the most with the ones and i think that'll be the telltale for obviously week one of the season i don't anticipate that unless whoever starts at one of those guard positions just totally bombs i don't anticipate a ton of changes between what we see in week three as far as starters and and amount of snaps with the starters not carrying over into week one of the regular season so I think I feel somewhat good, cautiously optimistic about this offensive line, which I ne- didn't necessarily feel even just a month ago. You know, felt like Jackson Carmen maybe wouldn't pan out as we thought he would. And we still don't know. It's been an extra week of evaluation, but the more we see, the more we're seeing some improvement um, in him as well. Now, some other random notes I jotted down during the game it, the offense is using a lot of jet motion with the wide receivers pre snap and then handing the ball off in the opposite direction or, or using a halfback toss to the opposite direction, which makes a lot of sense. I like that um, usage there. It, it's a good concept because you're getting the defense's eyes and attention going one way with the wide receiver in motion right before the snap, wondering, is it going to get handed off to the receiver in and, and a jet sweep type of uh, move, or is it going to the running back? Is it a play action, whatever it may be. And they've run a lot of different, plays out of that same type of concept they've done a play action i believe they ran a screen out of that um they have run it with getting the ball to i think last week it was boyd in the flat um and then eventually they're going to hand the ball up to the wide receiver which they haven't done yet but it didn't work from a running standpoint against washington i think Mixon got stacked up for maybe a one yard gain p ryan on another toss uh lost a couple yards i believe but I'm interested in the regular season, how that plays out because they have not handed it off to Boyd or Chase that have been in motion. And I would love to get those guys the ball in space, especially to see Chase's athleticism and his elite skills in that area. Um, if you can get him the ball in those manners and again, keep the defense on the toes on their toes as far as is mixing getting the ball is one of those jet guys getting the ball or is it going to be a play action? All of those things will be a uh, things that will be on the defense's mind and hopefully benefit our offense. Another benefit to our offense, T. Higgins. Well, duh. Okay, I know he's good. I'm not breaking any news here, but he made another good catch in traffic against Washington. And the reason I made a note on him was I'm changing my stance a little bit, and I'm allowed to do that. I'm being flexible. I'm not flip-flopping. I'm being flexible. As new information comes in, I'm adjusting, all right? Cut me some slack here. But I think he's going to be the most productive Bengals receiver this year. And originally, I thought it was going to be Jamar Chase. Um, And again, I underestimated a little bit of the acclimation period for Chase. And I assumed he'd come in, and once Burrow got cooking, it'd be the Burrow-Chase show, just like it was in LSU. And I underestimated that a little bit. And meanwhile, T. Higgins has looked to the part of an alpha wide receiver in this offense, which is amazing because we anticipate Jamar Chase is going to get there as well. So to have a couple alpha guys and then to have Boyd that is just extremely dependable and skilled slot receiver is going to be a nightmare for defenses. Higgins, I think is poised for a huge year. I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the 1200 to 1300 yard range by the end of the season, really impressed with his growth this year as well. Final note I made was around a woozy. I mentioned him earlier. He made a good play in coverage against uh, Washington's best receiver, Terry McLaurin, I believe it was an end zone shot. Now, I say this with all due respect to William Jackson III, who gave us some good years here. I think Cheeto is going to fit in seamlessly this year with this defense. He has played so well through camp, locking up Jamar Chase, among others, played well in preseason, and I wasn't necessarily expecting that from him. I'll be honest, I didn't know what to expect from him because I didn't study him when he was in Dallas, so I didn't know what to expect, but from everything I've seen over the last four to six weeks or however long we've been having practices and reports and things like that. I'm impressed. And I think we aren't necessarily going to miss William Jackson as much this year as I thought we would. And to have a woozy on one side, Trey Waynes on the other, and then Jesse Bates manning that middle of the field back there. Bengals, please pay Jesse Bates ASAP. Um, I'm excited about the defense. Like I said before, we'll see what carries over to the regular season. Will they be a top five unit? Probably not, but I think if they can be average, that's a huge win, at least for what my expectations were for this defense coming into the year. All right, so next week is the final week of the preseason. NFL cuts it down from four preseason games to three. Thank you very much, NFL. That fourth preseason game was so tough because I'm not discounting any of these guys that are out there fighting for a job. Um, It was a very important game for them, but it didn't always produce the most aesthetically pleasing football. None of the starters ever played in game four, and it it could get kind of ugly. So week three, the final week of the preseason coming up, all eyes, I think, all talk this week is going to be about Joe Burrow. Is he going to get any snaps? And I'll be honest, I don't know whether I want him to or not. So originally I was firmly on the side of do not – put him out there in the preseason imagine god forbid something happens to joe burrow in the preseason it will be tough for him to recover it'll be tough for zach taylor to ever recover from that decision the Bengals, from a reputation we already struggle with our reputation in the media they would never recover it would be awful absolutely awful why risk it let him just get reps in practice and then roll them out there week one against minnesota However, I've given it some more thought. I I see the other side of the argument as well. It's important for him to get those game reps because they mean something more. They're different than practice reps. And he's going to take a hit eventually, right? We can't wrap him in buttable wrap and put him back there and expect him to throw the ball, never get touched. He's going to take hits this year, and he's going to have a first hit at some point. And maybe for him mentally, that last hurdle would be taking that hit in the preseason versus in the regular season. Maybe it helps him in his preparation for week one, because now he's no longer thinking, okay, I'm going to get hit. (laughs) I haven't been hit in how many months. So maybe it would be beneficial to put him out there for one series, let him play, even if it's very safe play calls, handoffs, um, screen plays, just quick passes where you're not worried about him getting just destroyed back there for any reason, just let him get out there, clear that hurdle. And, and, you know, instead of waiting for week one, a half of week one for him to start to feel a little bit more comfortable, let him get that out of the way in week three of the preseason. We'll see whether Zach Taylor lets him play or not. I kind of think they will with as much as Burrow has mentioned that he wants to. And I think this team does trust Burrow. I think that's evident in the selection of Jamar Chase. They trust him um, in that area, and they're going to give him a lot of say, as they should, as the franchise quarterback. I think he'll get some run in week three. So that's what everybody's going to be talking about, rightfully so. And then the offensive line, I mentioned it before, that is the next greatest thing to watch in uh, this upcoming week is what that depth chart look like. What are the practice reports? Assuming Deontay Smith is back this week, where is he working in? And what do we envision that starting offensive line looking like Is Jackson Carmen going to be a backup, a third stringer? Yeah. Lots of questions there that should be answered within a week, eight days from now or whatever. So preseason winding down, thankful that the regular season is almost here. I know I teased, I think I've done it every episode. I, I think that's good podcasting, but I have some guests and I'm not ready to announce any names yet but I secured a new one that I had not previously been in contact with, but covers the Minnesota Vikings. I will disclose more details as we get closer to an actual scheduled date, but he's going to jump on with me prior to week one, talk about the Vikings and what that matchup looks like from a Minnesota perspective, someone that covers that team regularly. And really excited to drop that one, get hopefully some insight into our week one opponent. I have another guest that we are planning on recording Uh, the very last day of August, I believe maybe it's August 30th. I should probably check my calendar, but excited for that one as well. I'll be releasing that one shortly after the recording takes place. So I'm excited. I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, to see about getting some players on maybe, maybe some former players. I've, I'm, I am diligent in my Chad Ocho Cinco campaign. Uh, shout out Andrew loyal listener here, fellow Bengals fan out on Twitter. He's helping me with my campaign, and I'm gonna get Chad Johnson on this podcast at one point or another. It's going to happen, guys. So let's uh, let's get the army mobilized here. Get out there on social media, let them know that uh, the Hude Den wants him on the podcast. Until next time, as always, Hude.